Well, good morning. You know, it was a little over a year ago, last fall, um, my family had to make a trip over to Denver, and the way I like to travel, I'm one of these competitive guys where when I get on the road, I want to get there, you know, and unfortunately, uh, that never really works for me because uh, I am blessed enough to have a beautiful wife and two young girls, so what that means is most of our road trips are made up of one potty break after another for the entire trip. So we were driving, and, and I just, I was committed. I want to get there as quick as I can, so we're, we're just, we're moving. And, and from the back seat, one of my daughters, I can't remember which one, uh, said, Daddy, uh, I need to go to the restroom, and, and I'm thinking, you can hold it. And, and Amelie looked over at me, and she's like, we're still two hours away from Denver. They can't hold it, okay? So, so I'm like, okay, well, we were coming up on Eagle, so we decided to pull in to a gas station in Eagle, Colorado, and we were only there for like a minute. We, I took my girls in, and as we walked into the gas station, just a couple seconds later, a man comes running and goes, excuse me, sir, excuse me. And he's looking right at me, I'm like, yeah? He goes, do you own the black truck out there? I said, yeah. And he goes, that guy just hit your truck. And I look out in the parking lot, and sure enough, there was a guy that crashed into my truck, and now it looked like he was pulling off. So I go running out, I'm, I'm freaking out, and, and I get out there, and the guy stopped. He was just trying to, to get his car unhooked from my truck. But I get out there, and I look at it, and, and the, my bumper's bent, my corner panel's creased in, my, my taillights are busted out, and I'm thinking, I didn't even want to stop, you know? Like, come on. So we looked at it, and after a... There was a lot of things I wanted to say, a lot of things I wanted to do, you know, but we kind of had a little check there and realized, you know, this is a wor- first world problem, not a big deal at all. We can get this fixed. No one got hurt. So we went on and continued on our trip after we, of course, exchanged information with him, got insurance information, all that. We went on our trip, d- did our trip in Denver, and when we were coming back, I went ahead and called and scheduled an appointment to get in uh, to a body shop here in town. Now, when I did, uh, you got to understand, I'm the type of person with my personality, like, I want to get things done, just like I want to drive over to Denver without stopping. I want to get things done, and I'm so blessed and so fortunate to have such a wonderful staff and wonderful volunteers here at Fellowship Church to where what I'm used to is that if I come in on a Monday morning and I'm ready to work and I feel like God's deposited something into my life to, to like, let's, let's make this decision or let's make this change, let's start this or let's start that, I can just say the word, and normally a project that I think might take a week or two. Our staff is so incredible. They'll go get it done and two or three days later they come back and they say, look, it's done. Come check it out. And like that's what I'm used to. That I realize I'm so fortunate, so blessed to be around such a wonderful group of people like this. But coming in with this attitude, I showed up at this body shop on a Monday morning and I already had my file folder ready and I handed it to the guy as he came out to look at my truck and I said, you'll see all of the, the name and information uh, and insurance company information from the guy that hit me. Here's all my name information, insurance company. Uh, looks like you don't have too many vehicles here right now so I'd like to pick this up by the end of the week. And he just kind of smiles at me. I see your smile, and I don't like your smile. Wipe the smile off your face, and I want it done by the end of the week, okay? Like, it's about to start snowing. I need my truck, so, like, let's get this thing rolling. And what came out of this man's mouth next was not what I wanted to hear. 
You know, I, in hindsight, I can look back and be thankful for the fact that he told this to me. But what came out of his mouth next was, was very frustrating to me. He, goes, he says, excuse me, and he, he looked at and saw my name there. He says, excuse me, Mr. Hooper, uh, you need to know this may take a while. Now, I didn't understand when he said this may take a while because here's the problem with a while is a while can mean many different things. Like, you go to a car wash and they say this may take a while. That could be 25 minutes, you know. You, you call up a doctor and you're trying to get in a doctor. It could be a couple months if they say this may take a while to get in with the doctor. And now I've got this man standing in front of me and, and my car's wrecked and he's, he's, going, he's going, Mr. Hooper, this may take a while. And then he began to explain to me, he said, there's a lot in this process that's got to take place. we got to get a hold of their insurance company, and they need to get a hold of the guy that was in the accident. And then they're going to confirm his story with what the state patrolman said. And they're going to do all this sorts of stuff. So once that's all confirmed, then we can send bids to them, and that might take a while. And then once we get the bids submitted to them and they accept it, and then we can start ordering parts. And once the parts are ordered, we don't know where those parts are coming from. Some could be here soon, but that might take a while. And I didn't realize that it would be two and a half months later before he finally calls me up and says, Mr. Hooper, your truck's ready. I'm like, woohoo! <laughs> that was awesome. See, when I first heard him say this may take a while, that was frustrating. It was discouraging. You kidding me? Let's just get it done. But I was so thankful for the fact that he told me this because with understanding that this is going to be a process, like we've put everything in place for there to be changed. It's going to change. Your car is going to get fixed. This is all going to get worked out, but this is going to take a little bit of time. When I look back at that, I'm so thankful because I think otherwise, without that information at week one, I'd have been flipping out and I'd have been calling other companies trying to get my truck moved somewhere else. And at month one, I would be screaming at people, but understanding that it was a process really helped me. So for the last year and a half, this statement has really kind of stuck out with me. And in fact, it's a statement that I've been using a lot. And, and sometimes when I don't use it, there, there's times when I really wish I could. Because week after week, I run into people where I, I wish I could tell them this statement for their own life and what they're going through. When someone shows up and they're, they're pumped and I'm so excited for what God's doing in their life, but they'll come up to me, and this is seriously something that happens almost every week here. Someone will grab me and go, hey, hey, Pastor Dan, I just want you to know, you got to understand, uh, I've been sober for five days now. Now, I haven't touched any drugs, any alcohol for five days, and I celebrate with them. I'm like, thank God, that's awesome. I pray with them, I encourage them. But, but I want them to know, you know, this may take a while. This process of change in your life, it might take a while. Yes, there's, there's been a beginning to this process. It's, it started off, but it, it still might take a while. It's something I want to say to people when I, when I see them get out of the baptismal pool, when we baptize people here who have committed their lives to following Jesus and have received forgiveness. They get out of the water and they're changed and there's so much wonderful things that are taking place in their life, but I want to tell them this may take a while. You know, your life is not going to fully turn around overnight and you know, the atmosphere of your home is not going to change overnight and the atmosphere of your workplace and your relationships is not going to change overnight. Some of this may take a while. I speak to people who have lost a loved one and when they, when they finish what they think is a, a season of mourning and a season of greeting, they come up and they, they, with their head held high for the first time, sometimes many 
Many times in months or years, they'll come and they'll say, you know what, I really feel like I'm living again. I want to speak to them and say, you know what, this may take a while. This may take a while because you don't, you don't go into something where you've had relationship or had a lifestyle for years, sometimes decades or multiple decades, and then a change happens, and then all of a sudden everything's going to just feel normal and, and, and feel like everything's falling into line like easily. And you might say, what, what a discouraging and disappointing message. Well, it's, it's not meant to be negative at all because I believe that this is a place where God changes people. And it can be so incredibly discouraging if you go into your life believing that you're going to experience a change and immediately everything's going to be different and everything's going to be fine and you're not going to have problems anymore. And I see people get discouraged with that. And you might say, well, wait a minute, God can change things immediately. And you are absolutely correct. God does change things immediately. Immediately or suddenly, God can deposit into your life vision. He can deposit into your life hope. He can deposit into your life comfort. You know, immediately you could ask God to forgive you of your sins. And Jesus could deposit into your life forgiveness and change your eternal destination and give you a home forever in heaven. Those things all happen immediately. But if you believe that something that happened immediately is going to change everything in your environment around you for the rest of your life, you could be disappointed. Because there's a lot of things that we face in life, a lot of changes that we face in life that they may take a while. It might take a while that, yeah, God put vision in your life and hope in your life, but it might take a while before you start to see that vision come to fruition in your life. He might give you new hope for your marriage, new hope for raising your kids, the dream to start a business, to go back to school, and these things take a while. See, it can be discouraging as well when you come home and God has deposited change or deposited vision into your life so you're excited about it and you go back to the workplace and you're like I'm different I'm changed I'm not going to live my life the way I used to live and then the people that are standing around you are going wait a minute I know what you did last weekend what are you talking about I need to see some change for a while the workaholic father that says you know, kids, I haven't been there, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a commitment. I'm going to be at the baseball games. So I'm, I'm going to be there for you this year. And the kids are going, okay, we'll see. It can be discouraging that way. So what I hope and pray for today is that you and I can begin to look into what God tells us about the process of change. That if we're going to truly follow him and allow our lives to be changed by him, that some things happen instantly. Some things happen immediately where God deposits things into you. But for the most part, when it comes to your part and my part in cooperating with God, this may take a while. So this is what I want you to do. I want everyone involved in this service. Would you look at the person sitting right next to you? Look at them right in the eyes and say, this may take a while. Now say, this sermon may take a while. I'm teasing. I'm excited about this. Uh, would you pray with me before we dive into Scripture here? Heavenly Father, we recognize that, God, you are in this place, and you've already shown up here in a powerful way, and we want to thank you for that. So right now, in Jesus' name, we pray your Holy Spirit would come into this place. I pray that, 
that, that God, you wouldn't allow me to get in the way of anything you want to deposit into our lives or communicate into us, but I pray instead you would impart into us your truth and the, and the fruit that needs to come with that so we can leave here changed. Help us, God. Help us to understand what you want us to learn today. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Jesus talked about this process when, when he was, uh, we read about this in the book of John chapter 8 and verse 31, and these are his words very simply, it's the words Jesus said, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You are truly my disciples if You remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I circled and underlined this word remain in this verse because there's a key here to the fact that Jesus is saying, you're my disciple if you remain faithful to my teachings. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I think for every one of us in this room, we have an area of life that if we were to be honest, that we need to be set free on. Now you say, you know what, I'm doing good in a lot of areas, but there's one area I'm still stuck, or maybe there's five areas I'm still stuck. I need to be set free in some areas. And and you've gone through things where you're like, you know what, in all the other areas of my life, I'm doing great, but when it comes to finances, I'm really struggling over here. I I, I feel like I keep trying to get on a plan that's going to help me, but I go into the same pattern, I feel stuck there. Or maybe your finances are great and your job's great, but, but you come home and you're in the same pattern of fighting with your spouse. And it's like maybe at some point she is trying to pour into you and meet your needs and trying to work intimacy back into the relationship. And, and you're tired and you're not trying to do it. And then it, it flips around to where now you're trying to pour into your relationship and she's not. And it's this pattern of going back and forth and back and forth. And you feel stuck there. You feel like you need to be set free. What's frustrating about this verse is this is a verse I hear misquoted more than maybe any other verse in the Bible because people will quote the verse and they'll they'll hit it right word for word, but they won't say the whole verse because what Christians like to use is the back half of this verse. And we'll say, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We like the second half of this verse. It's easy, it's happy. You could write that on, on your refrigerator and be like, yeah, I'm happy because if I know the truth, the truth is gonna set me free so everything's gonna be fine and we're happy about that. But what is so frustrating about this if we really look at it is the truth doesn't set anyone free. Not just the second half of this verse. Just think about it. When was the last time the truth set you free? You can know all sorts of things and not be set free. Every one of us in this room know how to diet and exercise. You have the information. You have the knowledge. How many of you have truly been set free by that information? Right? Maybe you've taken financial classes and you know we shouldn't have consumer debt. You got to save more. You got to make more than you spend. You got to put all these things in place. You know the truth, but you still have tons of money on your credit cards. It's very easy to know the truth about weight loss and learn more while you're watching The Biggest Loser and eating a bag of Cheetos, right? It's January. That's what we do, right? We're far enough into the year. We've quit our New Year's resolution. We still love the show, so I'm going to watch you work out, but i got to have my Cheetos, right? (laughs) See, knowing the truth doesn't fully set you free. In fact, we can't own that as being the full statement of what Jesus said because if we look back at the verse, Jesus made it very clear here what he's saying is if you are truly my disciples, okay, 
if you remain faithful to my teachings. So the statement that we do is we remain faithful to his teachings, and one of the outcomes of that is we would truly be his disciples. We would be people who are being disciplined and learning from God, and people would look at us and say, oh, that's someone who follows Christ. Look at your life and go, he's, he's faithful to the teachings of God, therefore he is a follower of Christ, he's a disciple. And then the second half, the result of that taking place, remaining faithful to the teachings, is then you'll know the truth and it will set you free. So how, how does this happen that we're set free by the truth? It's by, it's by remaining faithful to the teachings that God gives us. The way that you gain freedom, the way that you get set free, is not by just knowing what God wants you to do, but actually doing what God wants you to do. And for many of us in this room, we've struggled with this difficulty of trying to do what God wants us to do. And we do the right thing, but then we stop. It's like, I know God wants me to meet my wife's needs. I mean, Ephesians talks about it. The, the books of Corinthians talk about the fact that I should be pouring into her, that I, I should lay down myself for her. I should do all this. So for a period of time, I try really hard to do what's right and to pour into her. But then after a while, like a couple weeks went by, we got in an argument and I just kind of fell out of the habit. And then we get out of it and we go, I know the truth about what would help my relationship, but I didn't remain faithful to the teachings. A lot of us in this room, you've probably had the lecture from your doctor when he prescribes you antibiotics where he says, you know, if I give you these antibiotics, you need to take the full 10 days. You need to take the full dose of it because what you're going to want to do is like three or four days in, you're going to start feeling a lot better and you're going to start stop wanting to take the medicine. You're saying, I feel better, I don't need it. So you don't take the medicine and then what happens? You get sick again. Sometimes you get even more sick this time than you were the time before because you were doing the right thing. You were taking the antibiotics. You were doing what was good, but you just didn't do it long enough. And see, when we come into church, we hear a lot of truth. And you come in and, and we'll read scriptures together, we'll worship together. You'll hear how you can change in different areas of your life. And do you know that the devil is not concerned about you learning the truth of God, he's not. When you come into a church service like this and you hear God's word being preached, he's not concerned about that because what the devil wants to happen and what he's confident in is that we're gonna hear the truth but we're not gonna remain faithful to it. That we're gonna hear what Jesus wants us to do but we're gonna leave here and go back to the same old lifestyle, the same old way of thinking, the same old way of doing things that we've always done that has kept us in the same pattern. And that's why Jesus makes it so clear that listen, it's not good enough to just know the truth. It's not good enough to just know my teachings and know the Bible. You have to put them to practice. You have to remain faithful to them. And this word remain, it's not, it's not just being faithful to them for a short period of time when, yeah, it's fun, things are new, things are different, they're exciting, but to continue to stay faithful to a teaching even when it doesn't feel comfortable or exciting anymore. See, what our church needs is faithful Christians who will, who will continually do what God calls us to do day in and day out. Do it today, do it tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day until Jesus comes. That's the type of church that, that we see miracles happen in. That's the type of church where you see revival. That's the type of church where you see breakthrough is when people say, you know what? I believe that Jesus Christ is my God and I'm gonna do what he says even when I disagree with it. 
Even when, you know what, my culture doesn't think this is cool and my culture doesn't think I should think this way or act this way or do things this way, but it's what Jesus said to do and I'm going to remain faithful to it. See, the key to breakthrough in your life in that area that you've been struggling with over and over and over again is to be faithful to the truth that you already know. If you want to lose weight, you got to be faithful to that diet plan that you've quit 17 times. If you want your finances to turn around, you got to get a budget, you got to stick to it, and you got to be faithful to it, even when the idea comes up, what about this great vacation? What about this opportunity? What about that opportunity? you got to remain faithful. But see, what's so confusing with our culture is we see success around us, and success can be deceiving, because People who are successful make success look easy. You know, you look at them and you go, man, they just, they were born with a silver spoon in their mouth. They just had it handed to them. Like, wouldn't it be nice if you could do that? We look at pro athletes and, and when, we're, when we're on the couch yelling at them, coaching them and how they could do better, we're thinking, man, they just, they, were, they went to the right school. They knew the right people to get an opportunity like this when the truth is, their success didn't come easy. In fact, it comes really hard. In fact, most pro athletes, when you look at them and go, all they got to do is catch a ball and, and they make millions of dollars. The truth is they're spending 60 hours a week getting stronger and better and faster and catching that ball. So we look at them and go, wow, all they did is they worked one day this week and caught a ball. Well, the truth is they probably worked harder than most of us in this room because success looks easy from the outside. There's a, there's a writer and a speaker by the name of Lisa Turkhurst, and she's got many different best-selling uh, uh, books on the New York Times bestseller list. She's been there several different times, and, and I heard the story of the fact that she went into an interview one time, and people were tweeting in questions and statements and stuff, and, and one of the statements that came into her, uh, and again, she sold millions and millions of books, one of the statements that came in was, it's so encouraging to see an overnight success. And she later tells her pastor, who, who's a pastor of, uh, of, of Elevation Church in South Carolina, or North Carolina, um, she, she tells her pastor later that, that that statement frustrated her so bad because she's thinking, you didn't know all the nights that I stayed up and wrote manuscript after manuscript after manuscript that got thrown in the trash. And, and what about the 15 books that were published that, that no one ever bought? What about the years? What about the decades that I put in here? You say overnight success. I've invested a lifetime into this. So the problem with looking at other people's success is it looks easy. We look at them and think, well, it was just simple for them. Where the truth is people who are success, successful remain faithful to the truth that they know. And this is how it works in every area of our life. The key to your breakthrough is consistency and faithfulness in the different areas that you already know the truth. To recognize this principle of this may take a while. That yeah, I, if I want to lose weight, I'm not going to just go to the gym once or twice, but this may take a while, so physically I'm going to get serious about this. If I want to see God's word in my life, I need to start reading it every day and recognize that this is something that may take a while, so I need to every day be consistent in this area. Joyce Myers writes in one of her books that uh, to start a habit, you need to be in a consistent environment for 30 days straight. To do the same thing for at least 30 days, and that's the very beginning of a habit. 
So if you want to be a Bible reader, uh, you got to read your Bible every day for 30 days, and that would be like day one of starting a habit where then you'd get up and naturally it would start to feel normal. Because most of the things we do when we're changing don't feel normal. Athletes know this because they'll try to build what's called muscle memory. If you're a golfer, you know this. You go to the driving range and you hit the ball over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And that process of practicing over weeks and months and years will teach your body to do the same thing over and over again and build a consistency there. So then when you're actually out on the golf course and you've got, now you've got a different shot and it looks different, you're going to do the same thing and your body's going to react the same way. What started off feeling incredibly uncomfortable on the driving range now feels very comfortable and very natural. Now, how does this relate to what Jesus said? Well, this is exactly what Jesus was trying to teach us about a life that follows him. When he's saying, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. See, first, when we first start following Jesus, it feels awkward. Many times it's awkward because the people that we run into in the workplace might disagree with us following Jesus. They might disagree with his teachings. They might disagree with what he would tell us to do. So it can feel awkward because some of the stuff we're trying to do, not everyone agrees with. But it can also feel awkward because it's just not what I'm used to doing. When, when you realize that the Bible says you're supposed to meet your spouse's needs, and for the last 15 years, all you've done is concern yourself with how you can get your needs met and not concern yourself with them, it feels really awkward when you finally turn around saying, I'm going to do what God wants me to do and stop focusing on myself so much and I'm going to meet her needs and in meeting her needs, it's like, now I'm going to come home and think, well, this would be a way that I could speak love into her life, not just a way to speak love into mine. This would be a way I could serve her. This could be a way I pour into her and in doing it, it feels really weird. It feels really awkward. When you start trusting God in different areas, like your finances, you're going, I've always put myself first. I've always bought what I wanted to buy first, spend what I wanted to spend first, get myself into all sorts of debts so I could have commitments there to spend my money first. And Jesus said, put me first. And then when the first time you put a tithe in the tithe and offering plate as it comes by, you're like, that felt a little weird. Jesus is saying, if you want to be my disciple, you want to be my follower, you got to do these things that I tell you to do, and it's going to feel awkward, but when you remain faithful to it, that's when you begin to see the turnaround. Why are we talking about this today? Well, this is why we're talking about it today, because I believe that your trouble has an expiration date. I believe the trouble that you deal with, the secret that you've got going on right now, that you've been so frustrated about for so many years, has an expiration date. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And when you and I start leaning into what God says for us to do in our life, then we go, okay, God wants me to be faithful in this area. The devil wants me to not be faithful. I'm going to ignore him. I'm going to resist him. I'm going to just do what God wants me to do. It's going to feel weird for a while, but then the Bible says he will flee. If I'm listening to God, doing what God wants me to do, the devil is going to flee. So this problem that you've been in, this cycle of over and over and over again, you get into the same patterns, you get yourself into the same trouble, the same discouragement, this has an expiration date and it all comes through the gift of the fact that God is allowing us to follow him. Like God's saying, I'm making a way, you just get right behind me, you do what I tell you to do and you are going to be blessed. But for us to be able to do that, 
we have to know what he wants us to do. In fact, there's, there's a scripture in Hosea. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed from their lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge. You know, there's a lot of people that go through life and struggle going through life because because God has told us how to live our lives and we don't even know what he told us to do. I've told this story before, but I'm going to share it again. Uh, Over the last 16 years as I've been a pastor here on staff, um, I can tell you I've done numerous counseling sessions and every counseling session I've ever done I ask two questions the first two questions first of all I gotta know do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ do you have a home forever in heaven because whatever other problems you're dealing with they don't matter you know if your life gets perfect but you're gonna die and go to hell and not have a relationship with God then we gotta get the first thing taken care of first do you have a relationship with Jesus so when they answer yes the second question is always tell me about how you're reading the Bible. Where are you reading right now? What's going on? What's God telling you right now? 98% of the time when I'm dealing with someone who's coming in for counseling, and this is not to knock any person, 98% of the time when I'm counseling with someone and I ask the question, tell me where you're reading the Bible, the answer comes back, I'm not reading the Bible. Well, why do you think that maybe we'd be struggling? Why, why do you think that maybe you'd be set in a trap where you're not set free? Why is it that you'd be in a pattern where you're doing the same thing over and over and over again? Well, Jesus says the reason is because if you remain faithful to my teachings, you got to know what the teachings are if you're going to be faithful to them, then you'll know the truth. And in remaining faithful to that truth and doing what Jesus says day after day after day after day till he comes back, then you're going to be set free. And your life's going to be turned around and the things that you've dreamed about and hoped for, you will start to see happen in your life. So the encouragement for every one of us in this room today would be that we'd be the type of people that say, you know what, I'm sick of being stuck. And, and, and I'm sick of trying to get unstuck and then feeling like the process takes so long that I just quit. You know, I, I'm sick of losing five pounds and then going out and eating a cheesecake to celebrate and being right back at five pounds. You know, it's interesting because there's a scripture in Second uh, Kings where Jehoash was a king and he was about to go into battle and he didn't want to go into battle uh, not knowing if God was going to be with him and he was going to win or not. So he called the prophet Elisha to be with him, or Elisha to be with him. And in 2 Kings 13, 18, it says, then he said, so this is kind of strange. He says, am I going to win this battle? And Elisha tells him to do this. Take the arrows, and the king took them, Elisha told him, strike the ground, and he struck it three times and stopped. So one, two, Three, he looks back at Elisha. Okay, you told me to hit the ground. Then verse 19. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times, then you would have defeated a ram completely and destroyed it, but now you will defeat it only three times. See, I've read this and I've been confused by it in the past and frustrated with going, how in the world was he supposed to know uh, like, should I hit the ground five times? Should I hit it two times? Like, he didn't say that. He just said, hit the ground. But 
If we look at this, the question really that comes out, the principle behind this scripture is Elisha speaking on behalf of God in this, in this verse right here, is basically asking the question, why did you quit? You said you wanted to go into battle. I told you to do something, and you, you started to do it, and then you quit. Like, you want to win? You want to go into battle? You want to go into war? Then start, grab those arrows, start striking the ground. One, two, Three, I don't think anything's happening here. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And God's saying, I told you what to do. Do it. I told you what's going to give you your breakthrough. But, but you don't care enough to remain faithful to what I just told you to do a couple of seconds ago. I wonder if that's been the problem for so many of us in this room. So we say, God, I need breakthrough. Help me out. I need, God, I'm in a depression, and I need to come out of this depression. I need to be fixed. I need change. And God says, okay, then you're going to have to start serving. Your life is not about you. It's about those that I've put around you. So start serving them, and I'm going to begin using you in a powerful way and changing you. You go, and you show up to a class one time, and you serve once, and it's a little bit awkward. Like, I don't know. You go, I tried that. I tried that. I served once, and that didn't do anything for me. I'm still struggling. I still have problems. I say, you know what? I tried tithing once, and when I tithed, like, I, was, I went home. I was expecting, like, there to be a miracle check in the mail. Stuff like, it didn't happen. That doesn't work. That, that tithing stuff, it doesn't work. I tried it once, and God's going, who told you to quit? Who told you to quit? If we want to be the type of people who, who, who are the disciples of Jesus, who are truly his disciples, truly his followers, then we're going to remain faithful to the things that we know. That's where spiritual maturity comes into play. Spiritual maturity has nothing to do with how long you've been a Christian. It has to do with the consistency of your life in line with what God says. That's why we see Kids back in our kids' church, they might be eight, nine, ten years old who, who, who just got saved. They, they believe God, and they'll hear, well, God says you should forgive people. And God says that we should be kind to people. So I'm going to be kind to people. I'm going to forgive people. Even though he punched me in the face and I'm angry with them, I'm going to forgive them because God says that. They exhibit huge amounts of spiritual maturity. While there might be people in this room, let's be honest, we're... 30 years, 40 years, maybe even 50 years into our relationship with God, and God says we should forgive people, and you go, yeah, but you don't know what he did. You don't know what she did. I wonder, are we remaining faithful to the teachings of God? Would you stand with me before we go today? Because what do you do with that? What do you do with all this information? Do you leave here and just go, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try harder. I'm going to try harder. Well, God loves you, and God gives you a promise that is so beautiful and so amazing that he gives to every one of us who are his followers. And we see here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, he encourages us with this struggle that we deal with. He says, let us not become weary in doing good, for in the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. In the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. I think the frustrating thing about this is the word a while. Because none of us really know how long a while is. 
And maybe you've been on a journey and you feel like you've been there for a long while. I've been trying to fix my marriage. I've been trying to come off of this or come off of that. Trying to turn my life around. Trying to get my kids on the right track. How long's a while? Jesus says this. At the proper time. His timing is always best. His timing is always perfect. And his timing is always going to be what's the most helpful for you. He's not going to give you something that you can't handle yet. Some blessings that we pray for, we need to wait for. I have a vehicle, and I I very easily could throw the keys to my 11-year-old daughter, Rachel, and give her a truck today. I could. But that would not be a blessing to her. Yeah, I have the ability to do it, and if I gave it to her, what is going to happen? She's going to hurt herself, and she's going to hurt other people. She's not ready for the blessing. And there's someone in this room that you need to hear this. Your father loves you so much, he's holding on to a wonderful blessing for you, and he is waiting for you to remain faithful to his teachings. Because then in the proper time, he's going to be able to give it to you and you're going to be able to use that blessing and it's going to make your life different. It's going to change. You're going you're to look back and you go, thank God he took me through what he took me through because now I'm blessed. Would you bow your heads? I want to encourage you today to remain faithful. Too often I, I see people work through all the difficult times the the, the seasons of tilling, the seasons of planting the seasons of pulling weeds and then get so tired you quit right before the harvest there's marriages in this room that you've been doing the work for so long and you want to throw in the towel God is saying at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up no one looking around our God has made preparation for moments like this in our life moments like this when we realize you know what I need faithfulness I need strength I need to make some changes he doesn't just go we'll change and leave us on our own the Bible says that with the gift of the Holy Spirit he gives us fruit of the Spirit and one of those is faithfulness So I want to end this service today praying and asking God to impart into this room the spiritual fruit of faithfulness. So no one looking around, every person in this room that would go, you know what, I am not steady, I'm not faithful, I need help here. Put your hands directly up in the sky and let's ask the Holy Spirit right now to impart this into us. God, we thank you for your teaching, and we thank you right now that you want us to remain faithful to your word. And you see a group of people in this room that we quit. We quit over and over and over again. We start doing what you tell us to do, and then we quit. And then we try it again, and then we quit. And we get frustrated with ourselves, and we feel like we're stuck. And God, we know that we're a mess. We know that we're a wreck. So the answer we know is Jesus Christ. And we pray right now that, God, you would forgive us for our failings. And we pray that you would come and fill us with your Holy Spirit. That right now for every one of us that, that, that just need a filling of, of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, ask him right now. Say, Holy Spirit, come into my life and bring your fruit, the fruit of faithfulness. 
God, I pray that I would be someone who would remain faithful to you. You have always been faithful to us. And and God, we thank you for that. And we don't want to take that for granted, but we want to thank you. And God, we ask that you would impart your faithfulness into us so that we could be the type of people who are set free, who see miracles happen in our life, who see harvest happen in our life. God, for marriages right now, suddenly bring vision and then give us the strength to continue forward, even though it may take a while. Help us today, God. We love you so much. And we don't want to leave here without thanking you and praising your name. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you believe he's worthy, let's give him a shout of praise. He's good.